Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word and subjects related. And I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and observe it with our whole hearts. Psalm 119, verse 34. This episode will be a continuation of the study of the book of Matthew. It is not a verse-by-verse covering every section, but I have read large portions of it, and I will continue to read sections that pertain to what I highlight from each chapter as we move. Uh, I try to do these every few weeks or less. Uh, sometimes it's longer than that when I, before I do another one. The last one I did was Matthew chapter 10, this one Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to title this one, What Do True, Pro- what Do True Proclaimers of Christ Look Like? Matthew chapter 11, if you would join me there, verses 1 through 11, I'll be reading that in just a moment. Keep in mind that Matthew is the gospel account written by a Jew to Jews about a Jew. Matthew is the writer, his fellow Jews are the readers, and Jesus Christ is the subject. His design, his purpose is to present Jesus as the King of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah. And he does this through a carefully selected series of Old Testament passages, quotations, and he documents Jesus' claim to be the Messiah. He details Jesus' genealogy, baptism, his messages, his miracles, and that all of these things point to the same conclusion, that Christ is king. Even in Jesus' death, seeming defeat is turned to victory by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the message continues. It echoes again, the king of the Jews lives. So keep that in mind as we're studying through Matthew. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force, 
for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Three times Jesus asked the crowds regarding John, what did you go out to see? What were you looking for? And I suppose a whole podcast could be done on that, and maybe I'll just draw, uh, bring that in or coincide that with what I'm looking for in men that are true proclaimers of Jesus Christ. What do they look like? You know, there's a, a, a wide range of personalities in the world, but yet there should be common themes, common threads, common subjects, common characteristics, common doctrines, recurring, repeating, like that of John, like that of other great men recorded in Scripture who proclaimed Jesus. Think about what we might observe today when we see people who are proclaiming Jesus or who are professing to proclaim Jesus. What should we see? Here's another question. What do we see? Well, here's what we should see. We should see, and we're going to look at this, men of strong conviction, number one, men of self-denial, number two, and men serious about their work, number three. Consider these three ideas with me from Matthew 11, 1 through 15, to help us answer the question, what do true proclaimers of Jesus look like? Number one, they look like men of strong conviction. Matthew 11, verse 7, Jesus said, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Jesus was using a figure that refers to one who is unstable or easily swayed. John was not easily moved away. He was not easily swayed from the truth and from his convictions of the truth from God. He was a very courageous man, courageous to even rebuke sin among those who had authority to put him in prison or put him to death. And he did that. Matthew chapter 14, verses 3 through 5 For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. And then Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. I love this. Jesus, excuse me, Jesus' cousin John was courageous to teach the truth. Luke chapter 3, verses 1 and following detail how Jesus, I'll get it right here in a minute, how John went into the region around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, Luke 3, 3. And he said to the multitudes, Luke 3, 7, that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. 
Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? Notice how John doesn't back up. He doesn't, he doesn't let down. He doesn't let off. He said, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors came to him to be baptized, and he said to him, and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, What shall we do? So he said to them, Don't intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. Now as the people were in expectation, and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. And I'll just pause there. He was bold and courageous to teach the truth and rebuke sin. Even his question that he sent from prison, do we look for another, is probably a question based on his disciples and their need to witness Jesus' word and miracles to further evidence the truth of his own conviction about Jesus. Because, you know, I have looked at that section before. I have considered that passage. We read it earlier, Matthew 11, verse 3. And I've heard people say, well, John was discouraged in prison, and so he asked Jesus, are you the coming one, and do we look for another, and this kind of thing. I I don't know that that was because he was discouraged. It's certainly possible. The passage doesn't say. It doesn't tell us. But the way he asks it says, do we look for another? Matthew chapter 3 Verse 14, at the baptism of Jesus, John tried to prevent Jesus in his purpose of John baptizing him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? And then he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and alighting upon him. Verse 16, and John heard, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then John chapter 1, verse 15, John wrote, John, John the Apostle wrote about John the Baptizer. John wrote, John bore witness of him, Jesus, and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And then in verse 29 of the same chapter, he said when he was on the banks of the Jordan River, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now one more passage about John's conviction. John chapter 3, verse 30, where John, it's recorded that John said, He, speaking of Christ, must increase, but I decrease. And so I think John had a great conviction about Jesus Christ his cousin, and greater than that, the Lord, the Master. And so I'm not sure that he was discouraged or he was seriously questioning Jesus' identity. I guess it's possible. But the point remains, the fact remains, 
that John was courageous to rebuke sin, even if he did have a few little doubts when he was going through hardship. That does not mean that he was not a man of conviction who taught the truth. And teaching the truth requires a public proclamation of the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Paul said he had not shunned to declare to the elders of the Ephesus church the whole counsel of God, Acts 20, verse 27. Sadly, today, people will bend and withhold the truth for money and or fame. Look at the millions who flock to men who are not men of strong conviction for the truth. They will not teach the exclusive nature of Jesus, John 14, 6. The necessity of water baptism, Mark 16, 16. Acts 2.38 They will not teach the singularity of the church and that the church is not a denomination. Matthew 16.18 Ephesians 4.4 4, 1 Corinthians 1.10 But those who teach the truth that are men of conviction must teach those things and all the things that the Lord taught the apostles to teach. Matthew 28.19 and 20 And so... A true proclaimer of Jesus will look like a man of strong conviction. And oftentimes, strong conviction is mistaken for being mean or, or ugly or hard or dogmatic. We need to use a dictionary when we use those words or before we use them and make sure we use words correctly. A person who teaches the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and won't bend or bow or withhold the truth, is a person of conviction, not a person who's mean. And a gospel preacher should never apologize for teaching the truth or saying, well, I know that may sound mean or something like that. Just teach it and be a person of conviction. And as speaking of, all Christians need to be people of strong conviction. Let's continue here. Number two, what does a true proclaimer of Jesus look like? It looks like a man of self-denial. Back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 8. Jesus asks, but what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? See, John, what he wore, his clothing was unusual. Scripture tells us he wore clothing, and I don't want to miss it here. Mark chapter 1. He came clothed with camel's hair, Mark 1, 6, and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. His clothing was unusual, and that demonstrates that his purpose was not to um, attain worldly comfort. Matthew chapter 3, verse 4 says the same thing. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. The idea of Jesus saying, what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Soft is likely used in a very literal sense, like those in king's houses. Matthew 8, 11, or excuse me, 11, 8. The king, Herod, who eventually executed John, he lived in a soft environment physically and spiritually. He had earthly luxuries, and worse, 
He lived in immorality and wickedness. On the other hand, John was a man of self-denial. And a man of self-denial for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 teaches this concept. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said. And so, John practiced self-denial for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And it's not inherently wrong to have material blessings. But sadly, many lose their souls professing that their material blessings are not inherently wrong. And they, they deceive themselves because that's their, that's their get them. That's their get up. That's, 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 their, that's their treasure, their heart. That's their desires. They get caught up in material things and they fail to focus on doing God's will, Matthew seven twenty one. So well, we must be people of self-denial. And a person who proclaims the gospel of Christ must be a man of self-denial. We must not let things get in the way of pleasing God. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And that applies to all, including men who proclaim the gospel. As Paul told Timothy, young evangelist, pay attention to yourself. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. For in doing this, you will save yourself and those that hear you. 1 Timothy 4.16. Finally, consider this. A, a person who is a true proclaimer of Jesus will look like a man who is serious about his work. Matthew 11, verse 9. Jesus asked for the third and final time, but what did you go out to see? A prophet? And he said this of John. Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. You see, the time prior to John was considered a period of prophetic silence between the Testaments. John came as the first recorded prophet that God sent. But the religious leaders rejected John and his message. And his message was from heaven, Matthew 21, 23 to 27. And Jesus Christ called John a man who was very serious, a man who was the greatest prophet, the Elijah who was to come, Matthew eleven eleven, and verse 14. John was a man who worked hard for God. And here's something I want us to think about as we start to draw this to a close. He wouldn't do anything in his ministry without heaven's approval. Early on, Matthew chapter 3, Remember the baptism of Jesus? Let's read it together. Matthew 3, 13 and following. Then Jesus came from Galilee to, to, or to John at the Jordan, that's the river, to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. You see, John worked hard for God and wouldn't, he wouldn't do anything 
without heaven's approval. He didn't. He wouldn't baptize uh, Jesus without Jesus' express approval. And the same must be true of all who claim to be teaching God's word. That's the kind of seriousness that I'm talking about. Second Timothy four, two through five, evangelists are to teach the word, preach the word rather. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And do the work of an evangelist. Verse 5. Heralding the word. And for all Christians, all Christians are to abide by this great truth. If anyone speaks, let them speak as the oracles of God. 1 Peter 4.11. If we're teaching the word of God, it must be the Word of God that we're teaching. If we are proclaiming the gospel, it must be the gospel from the Scriptures. That's what it means to be serious about your work. You're loyal to the work at hand. And that's not just for evangelists. That's for all Christians. The work that God has given Christians to disciple the nations. Take it serious. So what do true proclaimers of Jesus look like? They look like people of strong conviction. People that deny themselves and their own pleasures and they're serious about their work. They know their role. They fulfill their role. And one thing I've always thought well of John is that he never was jealous of Jesus. He said, he must increase, but I decrease. And that's the way we must be. We must hide behind the cross. We must say the name of Jesus and that's a thing that I'm thinking about as a, as a public teacher of God's Word. Does Jesus' name, does His Word, does it ever get a word in edgewise? Well, I hope and I believe and I trust that it does, but may I ever be focused on making sure that it does. And may that be a reminder to any who may hear this who proclaims the Word of God that we say the name of Jesus and we teach the things that He taught abide by his authority and seek to follow his example in our personal lives. May we be people who are strong of conviction and strong in our denial of self and also men who are serious about the work that we're doing, that the work we're doing is based on instructions from God himself. And that includes every brother and sister who would speak the oracles of God. If they're, to, if they're going to speak, let them speak the oracles of God. Let them go and make disciples with the word of God. Proclaim the gospel to every creature. I tell you, these are three of the great truths that are identifying features, identifying characteristics of a true proclaimer of Jesus Christ. They're people of conviction, people of self-denial, and people that are serious about the work. They're not seeking to get rich. They're not seeking to build a following. They're not seeking to be popular. They're not seeking to pump up their own or puff up their own name. They're not seeking to use individuals or churches as stepping stones. But instead, they're always seeking the lost and they're always seeking to please God according to His Word. They're not looking for loopholes and doctrines that may be challenging to apply to their lives. Instead, they are self-deniers, and they're serious about that work. They are strong in what they do, and they rely upon God and His grace and His Word to do that work. Well, I hope you got something out of that. If you did, 
and you'd like others to hear what I've said and, and, and consider it from God's Word, do me a favor, like, share, subscribe, post, uh, give me a rating, share this online so that others can see it. Thank you for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson Podcast. God bless, and I will catch you next time.